What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. This is a reminder from your service provider. Please turn all your devices, <laughs> ringers, to silent mode during the show, please. Right. Thank you for your participation. I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> have planned that. It's like... High noon. Somebody needs some help. <laughs> Somebody needs some juice. Just come a little closer to the mic. All right, everybody. That's a great way to start the week. And happy Friday. This is the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. Welcome. Got a special treat for you today. Before we get started, I'm going to give you the message of the day, which actually comes from my guest, uh, something that I read that, that he wrote. And it is, it is better to be loved than feared. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Words, words to live by. It's, um, and, you know, sometimes tough to walk the walk. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Sure. It's interesting because that's like, you know, you, that it was coming from Machiavelli, right? Mm -hmm. You were you were writing about that in a LinkedIn article. Right. And um, and you're from the Bronx. Yes. We've had this discussion many times and it, it triggered um, uh, scenes from the Bronx tale, a Bronx tale when okay. he was like, you know, telling uh, Cologino, uh -huh. you know, his approach. And he was like, I don't want to live like that. And yeah, I, yeah, that just like came into my came into my my brain whenever I read that article. It was just like that was a great article, by the way. I like I teared up by the end. It yeah. Was really fascinating. No, I'm glad. I'm glad. Awesome. I'm glad you liked it. So why don't you tell them since we're talking about it? Why don't you tell what's up, Nancy? What's up, Bob? Welcome. Why don't you tell them about the LinkedIn article? Talk about, uh, there's a lot to talk about. This guy's, he's got a lot. This, uh, this, we're going to need more time, I think. But uh, uh, we can start with that. It's a great article, I thought. I really, I really enjoyed it. Well, first and foremost, let me, oh, let, yeah, me let me introduce, first and foremost. Let, let me introduce myself. His, uh, his, his ring threw me off. I'm just, uh, let's start over. Rewind. No, go ahead. You can introduce yourself. Yeah, so my name is Jose Franco, and I am the owner of Stoop Juice, which is in Park Slope. And Jeremiah is uh, someone that I hope to emulate and I and I'm constantly I'm constantly picking his brain because I see uh, the show is called the entrepreneurial web and he is the epitome of an entrepreneur and one of the things that we constantly talk about because we vibe in this space uh, I am I have a juice bar and I want to do the right thing but bills have to get paid they do so you know that's Unless anybody knows a landlord that, in lieu of rent, he accepts hugs, <laughs> then then <laughs> then that's a game changer. We'll work on that. You know what We're I'm gonna, saying? I'm, be, I would consider that. that if be, I become a landlord, be like, just give me a hug yeah. instead. But uh, along the lines of the article that I wrote on LinkedIn, uh, it's it's an article that I it's some at the end of the day, what we do based on the profession careers that we have the business that we get into it comes down to a choice and it all stems from i'm hoping uh asking yourself who you are and the things that work for you and one of the things that i know about myself is that i'm not a gangster i'm not i'm not a bad person i'm not 100% good either. Don't don't get well, that. Well, neither am I, so be careful <laughs> right. who yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. emulate. Right. <laughs> when you said that, don't, I was like, I don't, don't know if he knows everything about it. Right. This. Don't don't <laughs> don't get that twisted, but my uh the the thing with the prince is this. I I see the writing and how when the prince was written, it was something that was written and 
that people kept hid. It was written for a prince. It was pretty much unsolicited advice. So there was this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down along the lines of simple terms. I'm not gonna name drop or anything, but I'm just gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it real 100. This is the Bronx coming out of me, right? So it was this one, this guy that he was looking for work. So what does he do? He used to work for the people that were in power before the the, the Medici family, and they got bumped. They weren't in power anymore. So what does he do? There's a new prince. So the way he tried to impress the prince, he goes to the prince and he writes the prince. And it's pretty much this manual. And it has a lot of valid points of along the lines of how to be effective and how to work around people to secure power. And the, and the principal question of the prince is, do you rather be feared or do you rather be loved? And it's a choice you have to make. And th the, the overarching message of the prince was it's better to be feared than to be loved. And I disagree with that. The, and my argument is centered on the fact that don't look at the hype of the book. Look at the man who wrote it and the outcome of his life. So that this was this person. He wrote this book, and he was living in the outskirts of town, and his writing was received, and the prince just looked at the book. He said, thanks, but no thanks, and tossed it. And then the book maybe... 30, 35 years later, that's when it got into circulation. So he died, and he didn't make an impact. So the idea is, yes, they, they've been used. Uh, it's, it's stuff that Mussolini, Hitler, Stalin, Napoleon all gravitated to. But in terms of the person and in something that you apply to your daily life, it, it was useless. It, it, it reminds me of the saying about philosophy. They say... Philosophy, you can apply philosophy to everything in the past, and you'll win. You can apply philosophy to everything in the future, and you'll win. But where philosophy loses is when it goes up against evil in the present, and philosophy always loses. So that's... Interesting. Yeah, that, yeah. so that's why... So because I'm not trying to overtly go around chopping people's heads, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not, you know... I'm not a big fan of the the that idea in the Prince, and and you saw a lot of that uh, growing up. I think, right? Ooh. I mean, we've talked about uh, where you grew up, which is a place I spent a good amount of time. Okay, 170th, <laughs> 171st in White, to be specific, wow. in the Bronx, between wow. Grand, Grand Concourse and Jerome. Uh, wow. My old roommate lived there, and I probably spent a good three months of my life hanging around there in, the, in like the late 90s too. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was, that, I mean, you you grew up in, a, in there in a much different time, but even then I was like, whoa, I was running, high stepping. Yeah. Uh, you got out of the train into the building quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, 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 the Bronx, the Bronx is real. You know, here's, here's, here's the thing about the Bronx. The Bronx is like any, any suburban community, the only difference is is that people are on top of each other? <laughs> Did you say it's like any suburban? <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm like any suburban community. <laughs> it's well, this is how it's like any suburban community. The only, the difference is that people are on top of each other, and where in suburbia, if you have twisted things going on in your house, you have a backyard and you have 
fences to separate yeah. them. When you're in a building that there's a hundred families and let's say there's a lot of dysfunction going on. And no backyards. And no backyard. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna be in this in, in people's business. And what happens is uh a, the the facade gets lowered because people People have to live amongst right. each other so that they, they don't have any heirs. So yeah. that's becomes very real. Oh, my like God. Exposure. Oh, my God. On the level of like social media. Right. Oh it was like the fr it was the first social media experience. 1970s Bronx. Well, <laughs> well, 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 for me, I mean, it all depends how I how, how I want to package myself and the, the story that I want to say. Right. Like, absolutely. Like, like when I want when I want to say a grimy story that I'm, I'm looking for uh, empathy I can say, tell the story of right across the street from my house, there used to be a dope spot. I, this one really like resonated with me. When you said, when you told me this story, like I just never forgot it. I was just like, damn, right. that's like, you know, you see movies, you hear about it. Me not growing up here, you know, I was aware of it. But when you told me the story and like the impact, I was, it just, it was heavy, man. It was really heavy. Go ahead. Right. So, so, so for me, one of the things when we watch, when we watch movies, when we're, Anything, the way uh, drug fiends, dope fiends, and people that use drugs are, por are portrayed in movies, it's it's underwhelming. And I get it. They do it because they don't want to make it alluring. They don't want to make it something that, you know, you, you watch on TV and you want to emulate. But for me, my reality was different because there was a dope sp spot across the street from my house, but there was etiquette among the, the people selling dope. So the there was a, a unwritten rule that you you sh you can't serve dope during school hours. That was a no no, and they they would go hard at you. But if you serve dope, if you serve dope in after four o'clock, that was more acceptable. It didn't mean that they wouldn't still try to catch you, but it 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 was more acceptable. So I remember coming home from school, and there was a line forming, and what they would say is. If you were buying what they call bundles, is ten bags of ten dollar bags, so it's a hundred. If you were buying bundles for you to go on the line, and if there's still bags left, then we'll serve people. So what happened was people created communities and they uh, pulled their money together and had someone stand online so they can buy these ten packs of ten. But the thing that made the most the impression on me is. As a kid, I was like in the sixth, seventh grade, I looked on the line and they didn't look like the people that were portrayed on TV. Right. They were people's parents. They were like teachers. Yeah, they you were, said you saw a, a teacher from yeah. your school and I was just they, like, They what? were mailmen. These people, they looked like they were coming home from work or took an extended lunch. They, they were... Yes, some of them had uh, looked a little shabby, but for the most part, there were that could have been my mother, that could have been my brother. So right. that made an impact, and 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 that stayed with me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that story stayed with me too. I mean, it's remarkable. So you saw some considerable hustles early on. I mean, you know, you know a little too much about the distribution. Oh, there. Yeah, <laughs> was that yeah, your first gig? You were <laughs> you were like, man, I gotta make some money. You, uh, there's there's this there's this woman that comes into Stoop Juice and she is a teacher at, I'm not, I don't want to say her name, but she's a teacher at uh, PS10 and mm. she pretty much chased the drug dealers from 
her neighborhood from her house. And we were talking, and I remember her pausing, and she's saying, how do you know so much? Yeah. She like, but she looked at me like, was that you that was in front of my house in 85? Like, that's pretty much so. Is she so from Park Slope or she was from she, the Bronx? Park Slope. Yeah, yeah. It was from no, Park it was, Slope. It was rough, man. Yeah. It was so, rough. so she, you know, she pointed that out. Especially up by 10. That was like no man's land. Right. Going towards the cemetery. Oh, yeah, yeah. One one of the things, I, I don't know if you know this about me. I coach baseball. I've been coaching. Yeah, yeah, no, we've talked about this yeah. many times. I've been coaching inner-city uh, inner kids, predominantly mm. inner-city kids baseball. So one of the things that I try to do, you know, is I still try to act hip about around kids. It's 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 a curse and it's a I blessing. do too. It doesn't always work. <laughs> My daughter would be like, what? It, right. So, so, so sure enough, I one of the talks that I like giving these kids is, to tell them why, fr from a from a business perspective, why drug dealing doesn't pay. Right. And I break it down. So one of the books that I tell them to read is a book by a guy named uh, Walter Block. And he wrote a book, and it's called Defending the Undefendable. And it's pretty much presenting the strongest arguments if you want to be a pimp, if you want to be a pusher. No, it's the craziest, <laughs> craziest book. And this is the strongest argument. This is this is a, he's 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 a liberal. This guy uh, clearly lectures <laughs> in the Cato Institute. He's, uh -huh. So so the the reason why I want them to the first they have the avenue that they can turn around and see those arguments. Then I come back and I deconstruct it. And what it comes down to is this. If you want to run any type of legitimate organization. Let's say if you're running your little scam. Let's say you're you're the next uh, uh, Scarface. So you're the next Godfather. What happens is at the beginning you have this nucleus of friends, and th what the added value is the nucleus, the trust that you have from the nucleus. And if you can keep that nucleus without anybody getting in trouble or anybody going to jail or anybody having a drug habit or anything. It's going to be easy street. But the way reality works, that's not right. how it works. Right. People get hooked. People go to jail. So then what happens is fast forward a year and a half later, and now all your boys are locked up, and you still want to have that type of network. But you don't know these people. You don't have the history. Yeah. And you're trying to link up with strangers right. that you don't know how many miles they have, what they've done, who they are. And you're, and you're thirsty and you have this blind trust. And you think that people are going to be like your friends that are probably dead, strung out, and whatnot. And that's where I tell them, Show me a way that that's unavoidable. And more times than not, they don't reply, but at least you plant that seed in the head. And hopefully it's something that they stay with and they're like, wow, you know, that makes yeah. sense. So, All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back and elaborate on that, some more serious stuff. All right, everybody, you're listening to Entrepreneurial Well. We'll see you in a few. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 
Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, you're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. Going to give a quick shout out to Noreen Sumter. She's on the, the same station. She does a great show. You should check her out. She's Tuesday nights at 8 p.m., I believe. Uh, what's up, Jamie Stams? I'm going to choke you later. So uh-huh. we're back with my guest, Jose Franco. Uh, we were just talking about Bronx in the, in the 70s, 80s, and up into the 90s and your involvement uh, with the youth. And which was desperately needed, uh, and and your involvement in baseball, which is huge and totally constructive, and trying to lure them away from the gangster lifestyle, the 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 false hustler, right, right, or the feared hustler, right, you know, and 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 towards the loved hustler. Um, how did you get started in? Um, I mean, obviously, baseball is really big out there, but how did you get started in in coaching? And was it mainly voluntary? I mean, I know some of it had to have been, but right. did you make a little cash at it or was it like my dad coached AAU ball for a long time? Right. And I, I think he just straight up did it, you know, out of passion. Right. So 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 for me, it I first I first went back mm. to when I from the Bronx, I used to travel to Brooklyn. I used to play for uh baseball organization it's a a travel organization it's called youth service league and the the director the family that started the program the zitters the 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 son of the program mel zitter he he was the head coach of the stock team and he you know in in a way he was in he was one of many father figures that I had in my journey and and mm-hmm. and for for me Mel was if you were writing a Hollywood script they would not cast Mel as the father figure because Mel was there's no other way to say this a <laughs> tough Jew from Brooklyn yeah yeah that Mel was just a tough Jew but in that gruff and in that tough exterior he cared mm-hmm. he really cared and so one of the things that I re- realized was that we were doing 110, 120 games, and the majority of the kids were coming yeah. from from the city. Mm-hmm. 
And the parents weren't showing up because the parents on the weekend, they worked. My mother was a seamstress. Mm -hmm. So I felt indebted to the program. So when I, when I graduated college and I was living in the neighborhood, because they, they used to play in parade grounds, I went down. Where'd you go to school? I went high school. I went to. No, you said college. Co I uh, went to SUNY Binghamton. Oh, yeah. I went right, to, to right. SUNY Binghamton. I, we've had that discussion. I forgot. I went to SUNY Binghamton. I went to SUNY Buffalo. Right. I, my, my concentration in human resource management, which I've never used a day in my <laughs> life, but um, I, I no, disagree. No, I, I've written policy. You might not have gotten a paycheck <laughs> for it, but, but I, 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 I some, disagree. Some of the principles I, I have used, but, but yeah, that's how it started. I said, and I went back and I helped. So then, and then I'm still affiliated, even though I'm in hiatus, but with the New York Grays, which is an organization that I support and I believe in. It's an organization that's run by David Owen, who's a Cornell alum. And one of the things that I like about David, among him um, leading such a fabulous bachelor life and living in the Upper West Side, is that <laughs> David actually <laughs> cares. He, too, has a little gruff exterior, but David, he, he does trips. Some of these kids, he's gotten them into schools that if it wasn't for David planting the seed and mm. having the vision, it, it, it wouldn't happen. And, and so, so for me and what the, if the times that I've been paid is to cover my expenses. Right. So it's not, it, I'm not doing it f for, for love. I'm doing it. Bec I, I, yes, it's love, but I'm not doing it for the money, but it's, it's just, it's a passion. It's something that I really, and enjoy. it's, it's self-development for you. Big time. But you get to share that with a with a really big captive audience. Well, you here's the thing. One of the things, there comes a point where the students become the teachers. And mm -hmm. nothing right. symbolizes that more than, for example, there's four kids that I've coached uh, for both for, uh, organizations, Youth Service and the New York Grays, that are playing professional baseball. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I realize is that from my coaching style, if a, it's not what you, you say to the kids. The coach's responsibility, it's you have to envision uh, a buffet. And all the coaches do is bring out the food and lay it out for the buffet. That's a great analogy. For kids to come out and eat it. Right, right. But you can't force them to mm. eat, and they have to eat what they think that works. So what happens is, when you see success, this is when, when teachers and coaches have to put the ego to the side. When you see success, you have to use that as a learning moment. And the times that I've seen these kids, uh, one kid in particular plays for the St. Louis Cardinals, and I love this kid. And I wish I could take credit for what he's done, but I did nothing. Right. I did absolutely nothing, but there's been times that I stay quiet when I get accolades that people act like I did something great for this kid to have this success. I did nothing, but it's fun to see them own it and run with it. So my takeaway is I take inventory of the things in my life and how can I apply the approach that they're doing to have success? Right. And these are kids. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, that's 
the best payment that I've gotten from coaching. So for me, right. for me, that's, that's what it's, all it's about. been yeah. well worth it. And, and it's like, I'm like, I'm, I'm a bank robber. Cause I was, I was getting my expenses paid. <laughs> that's from his days in the Bronx. <laughs> I was getting my expenses. Tell you, we're going to expose this dude by the end. I'm just saying. So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the fun. That's why, yeah. that's the fun part. But you know, in their defense, there's no shades of gray with me. The the type of organization, the the baseball is 130 games, and we spent the entire month of July in Florida and mm-hmm. Georgia. Yep. So this is this is it, it's serious. I mean, yeah. you know, this is no. My dad and brother did the same thing. Right, it was like hardcore, and and my dad coached some guys that are pro, that are pro now, and okay, yeah, I saw the same trajectory. And, and what you said about uh, like really learning from them where the teachers become or the students become the teachers. You know, I, I train jujitsu, but right. I also teach jujitsu and I work with a lot of kids in there. And it's like a six or seven year old who's just it's in their DNA, man. And they just drop something on you and you're just like, wow. Right. Like that was it right, right there. And they're, you know, they're unfiltered. They're so raw. And, you know, if your ego is in the forefront and that's kind of dictating you you'll never hear that stuff right you could just kind of step back like you said you put the buffet out each of them are going to respond to it differently you know some are going to get nourishment and energy from this one thing and the other one's like i ain't messing with that i'm going with this but they both like explode right and drop some serious knowledge and some serious technique and it just like it's better for everybody that it always has blown me away right especially with martial arts you know just seeing these kids because it's such a reflection of life you know, athleticism and, and fitness is often that way, you know, and you get to see some very real stuff that way. It's yeah, fantastic. That's, I, I mean, and it's also humbling when when I speak to kids, I, I still go around and I speak to kids and I and I have the story. I'm not going to use names. I'm just going to use the names of the kids that went on to play professional baseball. We had a team. We had a team of 13 year olds that this team consisted of. Pedro Bayado, who pitched for the New York Mets, mm-hmm. Adam Adovino, who's number zero, and this other young kid who was the best pitcher on the team. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say his name. And and what happens is there were there were signs, there was certain signs, there there were things going on at home, and a lot of the times it's, you know, it's cliche, but it's the small things. It's the small things. And for you to witness that, and it's like seeing a a, a freight train heading towards a wall Mm -hmm. and you can't do anything about it, but it's, um, these things happen. So that's, but also, you know, you can't, uh, you can't, you can only protect so much. Like everybody has to live and learn through their, their own experiences. You know, if, you can prevent death. That's right, right. great. But, you know, I've had to own some hardcore fails. Right. You know, and but that's really what, you know, what gave me the resilience and, and the information I needed to get to the next level. So maybe this guy didn't go on to do professional baseball, but there could still be value well, I ho- I hope. in that experience. When, uh, uh, maybe when we get back, we can dive into, I'm sure we have people that are thinking about opening up a business and (laughs) and, a lot of people thinking about that and, and just little tests and little inventories or checks that you can do for yourself, Mm -hmm. things that I've been applying and so far so good. And maybe 
some someone who's listening can call me out on something and pretty much and they can they can call in we'll we'll get the phone number when we come back and please. and they can call in and you know you can harass me too okay okay but uh so and and you've done a number of things. I mean, you own a juice bar now, but you you got yes. You I got, we'll we'll, uh, we'll yeah. go we'll dig into it all in a few minutes. But I just wanted to leave the cliffhanger with that. All right, we'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. All right, everybody, we're back again. Happy Friday. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web with my guest, Jose Franco. Real quick, got to give a shout out to my boy, Richie, one of the best carpenters I've ever met in my life. Guy's done amazing stuff. And so we mentioned at the end of the last segment, you can call in. You can call and harass me. You can call and harass Jose. The number is 212-721-8183. Give us a call. So we finished the last segment talking about... You've done a number of other things. You right. own a juice bar right now, but I think you told me you sold jewelry yeah, yeah, for yeah. a while. What else? What you got? I know you wrote a book too, yes. but like yes. chronologically, okay. what was like your first, your first business, your first kind of hustle? So it's my first hustle. As a matter of fact, we're, we're on 38th street in the garment district right now. So my first hustle started like a block from here. My mother mm. used to work on, 309 West 39th Street. She used to. Oh wow! My mother was a seamstress. Right here. So my mom, so my mom used to do piecework. So that means they pay you by the piece. And yeah. so she, she had a machine. She used to do work at home. And they took my mom, 
they would bring work to, to my mom's to our house and pick it up by one o'clock and pay her cash. So one time they were going to pay my mother $75. And the person delivering told my mother, do you want the $75? Well, I'll give you these hundred dresses. It was an assortment of dresses. So I turned around. I was nine. I turned around and I told my mom, mom. Started early. I'm, I told my mom, mom, take the dresses. <laughs> and this is one of the things that my mom is not a woman that talks a lot. But this is one of the things that my mom did that she encouraged me. This is what my mom said. My mom didn't say no. My mom said to me, I'll take the dresses, but you have to sell them yourself and make more than $75. Right. If you can do that, I'll take the dresses. So as a nine-year-old, I'm looking at the dresses. I knew nothing about dresses, <laughs> but I'm eyeballing the dresses and everything. And I'm like, okay. So that was probably mom, commonplace where you grew <laughs> up, though, right? Guy's just like a back of a truck, like yes. looking at dresses. Yeah, yeah, give it to me. So sure enough, took the dresses. And then from there, within two hours, I had made $107. Nice. And I That's came it. back. So my mom let me keep anything after the 75 was mine. Mm. And I had like seven, eight dresses. I think I still had those dresses in a closet to like 1990. You like framed them? <laughs> Like instead of the first dollar he made, he's like got so, the first dress. So that was that was the thing. I mean, full disclosure, my mom was a bookkeeper in the Dominican Republic, and that's her thing. And and my my brother went to business school when I wasn't in school. My brother's in business school. My brother's a CPA. He's an accountant. Mm -hmm. So these books were always around me, but I didn't know I have the bug until. I, I kind of, I didn't go straight to school, and then after falling on my face a couple of times, I found direction, I found something that I was good at, and then I ran with it. Yeah. Then after I graduated, I worked at a business school, I did admissions, and I did real good at that, but what happened was a nice opportunity came up, uh, and I, I went into jewelry. I had a very nice opportunity to come up with jewelry, and I... And it was good. I did that for 20-something years. And after I did that, I, when I transitioned from jewelry, I wanted to be close to home. So my wife and I, we opened up Stoop Juice, a juice bar. So And that was 2012? 2012. In yeah. 2012, we started. So what happened in, in the beginning of 2012, what we did was we pretty much... I went to work for someone, uh, no pay, but I just wanted to, because I was mm -hmm. going into another industry, yeah. so I just wanted to learn their operations, and I just said, I'll help you do uh, the packaging and the marketing that I knew from dealing and selling so many SKUs, so many different items, so we sort of bartered. I bartered my expertise in marketing, mm -hmm. and they just allowed me the ability to see their operations and work for them. So I did that for three months. And then after that, that's when we, within nine, ten months later, we opened up Stoop Juice. And that kind of exchange is really extraordinary. I don't think enough people do that these days. But like back in the day, you would apprentice. Right. Where you would make almost nothing, nothing. <laughs> no. or nothing. Right. And it was to learn a skill yes. uh, to get good at it. But 
it's a different type of relationship than when you just, you know, say, oh, yeah, I'll take this job and you come to a training program. And right. it's like they're just treating you like kind of any other employee. But when you show that kind of passion and drive and commitment and sacrifice, I think it's a different dynamic. And it's it's I think it's better for both people. But right. that's I think that's the way to get set up. If you really want to do something you were talking about, like, if you want to go into business for yourself, that's one right. good way. Like Th- That's the start because you... you we m- need to test the waters. Right. You need to make sure you could do this, like, 60-plus hours a week right. and not hate it. Because if you do and you got your whole bundle tied up in it, man, it it's can get over. ugly real fast. It, it's over. It affects, yeah. it affects your mental health. And so what I, what I learned in that spot, and, and this is conversations with my brother, my brother and in his side, my brother works management in the accountant component. And I ask him why have, because, and he's been working for the same company and you rarely hear that. And what my brother says is that the biggest hindrance where he works is that people that work in his company, the people that don't get promoted, they do not first show the aptitude to do the work and take on the work and the responsibility Mm -hmm. and then secure the title. What happens is people want the compensation without proving themselves. So what what happens is you have this, it's a standoff. Mm -hmm. And and with the people that are willing to say, take on the responsibilities and show and prove their worth, they go on to get the promotion. If that's what they want. Right. And that's I mean, that's how I progressed. I never it was never enough for me to just take the position. You know, maybe there was like I worked in a clothing store in a mall. Right. For a few months, you know, uh-huh. and I just like yeah. <laughs> it was like five hours a week. You know, right. it was for free clothes. It wasn't for no, no, no. It wasn't for money. I had like three other jobs at the time. But like the things that I was into and I knew I wanted to chase, I was always owning the next position while still getting paid less and you know my family and my friends would you know they would talk down to me they would say man you know those people are just taking advantage of you like no i'm doing this and sure enough every time i was either put in top management or partnership situations you know at least got the offer for me to say no i don't want to do that i'm going to move on and do this next thing yeah man that's yeah you can't be complacent if you want to grow no, can't be complacent. The same way plants fight for sunlight. Right. You know, it's like somebody's not getting the sunlight and they're going to go and they're just going to and the other one's going to stream up. man. So, so so what I what I find now, because people come in, here's the thing, more times and, and this from my experience. So the biggest hindrance for me is I used to work for somebody and I used to make real good money. So once you once you have the steady paycheck that's coming in, you have this perceived sense of security. And it's the opportunity cost of not doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, so there's this false sense of security. So what, but there's really no security. When you work for somebody, the only thing that you're able to do is you don't take the problems with you on Friday. Mm-hmm. And you go home and you come back Monday and you keep to your schedule. But the, those problems are still there. Right. And if they're in a manageable range and they can uh, budget you into their vision, you still have a job. But if it's not in a manageable range and they can't afford you, guess what? Or they feel someone else, they can utilize the money with someone else instead of you. You don't have a job. So for me, 
the biggest the biggest obstacle was here I was I was doing working for someone and I had a side hustle that what wasn't conflicting and it got to the point that the trade-off or the opportunity cost was minimal mm -hmm. so the time that I was spending at the my main job was taking away from time that right. I could spend to make Just more money. Just life out, right? Right. Yeah. So, so then it becomes a choice. Then you have to ask yourself, can you fly without a net or do you feel more comfortable flying with uh, the fallacy of a safety net that someone else is providing right. for you? But they're not because once your added value diminishes based on their plan, not your plan, mm -hmm. you're expendable. Big time. So that's great. And, and it, it goes back to something you said in the first segment about self-realization and self-awareness. You know, you can you can, be, you know, have this facade of, oh, I work for this company. I have security. No. And for me, like. I would rather know what the issues are. Right. <laughs> and it's why I love ownership. Right. Because you're, you know, it's the, the fight or flight response. I'd rather fight. I'd rather know straight up what's going on. Where am I going to be? I need to make plans other than, you know, the layoff rate is like crazy right now. And the right. freelancing thing has gone up so much. And I mean, I think that's a good thing in a way. It's, it's kind of like the gig economy thing is kind of questionable with people, but at least those people are just saying, I'm cool flying without a net. Well, it, 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 at the end of the day, it know yourself. Yeah. Because what, and your situation. Right. <laughs> what, what, may work, what may work for me may not work for you. Mm -hmm. But you can BS the world, but don't BS yourself. And there's plenty of people that want that net, and they want that situation, and they don't care, and that's fine. Right. The point is, and I, it, you talked about it at the beginning too, if you think you want to do your own thing like yeah. here here are some things right. like the problems go with you right they, that, when you close the doors they're still there they come with you they're, they're when you there. if you have a weekend right i don't i haven't right. had a weekend in a long time <laughs> hello but, but it's like, right hello. but i don't want one it's like i'd rather right. be there i'd rather like always be in it and uh it's one of the things i love about living in new york is that it's right. it's a it's a 24 7 marketplace we right. literally live in just like a bazaar, you know, and right. it's just constantly churning. Some places get a little quiet at, at times in the night, but most of it's just like always going. And uh, and I love just always being engaged in it and and having uh, the ability to respond to it in real time yeah. rather than getting the getting that email or getting that paper. I mean, I've never really I've rarely worked for other people. So I don't know that lifestyle right. so much for most of my life. I've done my, I've done, I've done my own thing. I didn't, you know, a couple years here and there where I worked for other people, but mm -hmm. most of the time it wasn't something I was committed to anyway. So it was like, either I'm gonna go or you're going to let me go. Right. I'm already working. I'm always working on the next right. thing. No, wheels, <laughs> you know, it just never stopped. But, so but those are good realities for people to consider. If you think you're going to, you think you're going to branch out. And I really like how you described the trade-off between Big time. your 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 real job and what you wanted to turn into your real job. How did you phrase it? You said there was a point where the opportunity cost. The opportunity cost was immaterial because, yeah. because you can't be in two places at one right. time. I think that... I try. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think the easiest way to explain, and it's something when we get back we can touch on, I, I'm big on creating acronyms. So mm. the acronyms that I use is SENT. C-E-N-T-S, 
and then I also add the last principle of Bezos' 14 principles. We can touch on yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know that. You have the, to uh, that's Steve, Steve Bezos is the guy from Amazon. Oh, oh Bezos, yeah. yeah. I, I thought you said something else. Yeah, so, so and and I can sprinkle a little Gary Vanderchuk. I don't know if you're a Gary Well, I was going to ask you. Oh, we Again, we need more time. Okay. Yeah, no, he's my boy. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly. Peace. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Oh yeah, it's gotten live in here now. We're back. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, here with my guest, Jose Franco. So a few things just transpired. <laughs> you asked about Gary Vaynerchuk. Love Gary Vaynerchuk. Was into him when he was just a wine guy. When I was first getting on my feet selling wine, he was highly influential, but it was a short-lived affair. I watched him for a little while in the early days of YouTube. Then I got busy. I got really busy, and I didn't spend much time watching things or sitting at a computer um, and then reacclimated with him less than a year ago and has been a big contributor to why I was here. But we were also talking about <laughs> I just I just stirred his pot a little bit. Uh, some of the when I one of the brief things that I did where I worked for somebody else was I was in the ad sales division for BET, Black Entertainment Television. There we go. The token <laughs> white dude. No, I'm kidding. There weren't many, but <laughs> this was this was 2006. Yeah. The good old days. The good old days. They were in the they were at the top of the Viacom building, mm -hmm. the the MTV building in Times Square. Okay. So my it was a cubicle gig, but not like I was I always said I'd never do that. But I walked into this place and I was like, I could do this. Right. When I when I poked my head up above my cubicle, I was looking at the top of the Chrysler building. And then if I looked to the left, I was looking at Central Park and I looked behind me and I was looking at the Hudson from like, you know, a thousand feet. I was like this cubicle was pretty cool. Yeah. And it was the media quad. 
So I had all the picture video editing stuff. Like it was just like four computers and around and over a couple of us, you know, I would do like sales reports and silly stuff like that. But sometimes it would just be like watching segments to see how many times a commercial came up, you know, anyways, I didn't love it. It was, I felt it was inefficient. I love the people. They were great people. Um, and I love the network, but, um, it, it just wasn't for me. It was like a nine to seven gig. Wow. You know, it was a lot of hours, but I, I don't mind working. Um, I didn't like the the stationary aspect of it. I was always hopping up and just running downstairs to get espresso. For, there were like eight Starbucks just at the bottom of the building. And I man, I was drinking triples like five times a day uh-huh. just to keep keep going. But um, I, you know, I, I found a lot of inefficiencies and I had no input and no control. And I like I really like being efficient. So the thing one of the things I love about what people like Gary Vaynerchuk are saying right now is you can market yourself, your brand, if it's your personal brand or your business or your businesses or a culmination of all three very efficiently, very economically. And you have the control. You, right. you have the artistic control uh, you have the funnel control. You can dictate where it goes. You can easily these days pick who gets to see it. You know, you can you can it's it's almost like direct mail, but it's like direct to people that have shown interest through Google or, uh, you know, their social media that they have an interest in this. So it's not just like blank canvassing like, oh, let's throw this up here and hope people see it. Right, you know, yeah. it's like this person has shown numerous times interest in XYZ. I happen to sell XYZ. Let's get a message to them or an ad. Mm-hmm. And and you can see response rate too. It's it's really phenomenal. So the dude blows me away. I love his energy. I love his voice. Like I said, my wife can't stand his voice. And now yeah. my oldest daughter is helping me a lot with this stuff. She's like, oh, this guy again. And I'm like, which is funny because you know who Jim Rohn is? Jim Rohn. He was like Tony Robbins uh uh, kind of Tony Robbins is like a protege of Jim Rohn. He okay. worked with him a lot. And a friend of mine was like, oh, you should listen to Jim Rohn too. And I, and I pulled the dude up and he's like, yes, so today, you know, and I'm like, man, it's like not- that voice doesn't resonate with me. You know, it's all about who resonates with you. We talked about that earlier and like Gary Vaynerchuk gets me pumped, man. Yeah. I just hear his voice and I'm like, let's go to battle. Let's do it. Well, that's he, I, I, I like, I like, the, the the approach that he takes of of setting like a pretty unsurmountable goal as he's always saying he's gonna right. buy the jets. Yeah. And so so he's painting pictures. So that yeah. you you can learn from that. So the so my my thing that I tell people with business, you the thing it's it's the acronym. You mentioned control, which is the C. But the thing that ties into Gary Vandalchuk, Gary Vandalchuk is also to blame for, <laughs> is also to blame. Careful, he's not far from here. No, but, <laughs> he but, but he's be listening. But listen, he's also, he's also to blame for my, my political activism. Mm. Because one of the things that I noticed, I don't, I'm smart enough not to talk money, religion, or politics right. in my shop. Right. You know, I don't, yeah. because people just be want. neutral. Right, they yeah. just Give me my juice mm-hmm. and get out my way. And I get I'm it. I'm the same way. Right. But in in the space of the political environment that's here, I said to myself, what better way to stir the pot, not to criticize anybody, but to run for office. So I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to collect signatures. 
You know, um, I thought I saw something uh, about. I thought yeah. it was like so. I was like, no, nah, that's another Jose Franco. <laughs> you thought you were hot. That was, <laughs> it's been a while, but yeah. I was just tired. That's funny. I did see that, and I was just like, what? So, 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 th- what I did. Um, so I, the the first, let me touch on the acronyms, and I'll get back to that point. So, so set the the acronym. The C is for control. So pretty much, it's. Regardless of whatever business you're starting or whatever venture, how much control do you have? Uh, whether <laughs> perceived or actual? <laughs> well, well, both. Yeah, both perceived, actual, along the lines of knowing your industry, your expenses, mm-hmm. what the competition is doing. Then the second thing, the E, is entry. What are your barriers to entry? You mm-hmm. know, it's easy to say, oh, I want to have this type of business, but how realistic right. are you to access the capital? Then. The N is the, I think, uh, the, who's the Houston Rockets owner? I forget his name. Oh, man. He was just on, uh, he was just he on the Vaynerchuk's podcast. I know what you're, I know, uh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Mark Cuban. Mark, oh, okay. Mark yeah. Cuban. No, it was somebody, I was thinking well, of somebody else. Well, Mark Cuban, he, he phrases it differently, but he, the way he phrases it is the key to success is providing your customers what they want. Mm-hmm. So that's the end need. Yeah. Is what you're selling something people need? You know, we can have the best of intentions, uh, the concepts that we want to do, but if what we're selling, no one wants it, yeah. nothing's going to happen. It's all about relevance. Then yeah. the T, the T is time. The T is your idea from the time of conception to the actual time of you fulfilling what you want to do, do you have the time that there's still need for what you're right. offering? Mm-hmm. And then the S is scalable. Is it scalable? Because if it's scalable, but by scalable I mean is this something that you can package into a process and you can have other people do it and emulate. And when something is scalable, when you can make it a process, then it can spawn, mm-hmm. then it can spread. So back to the thing with Gary ba- Vanderchuk, I used to always see his, his thing with the Jets, and I'm like, yeah, he's come by the Jets. That's what they need. So I said That's to what myself, he thinks they need, right, too. <laughs> so, so I said to myself, and it's, 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 I think imitation is the most serious form of flattery. Mm-hmm. How can I, I, I'm not looking to buy any team, and that would be so blatant. I said, you know what? I'm going to run for yeah. president. And... In, in that, my whole platform is based on, I, I, I point things out, but everything is, is based on self-reflection and asking people before they cast stones on anybody to take inventory. So one of the, the title of a book that I wrote, and it's I, free. I wanted you to get to that. What, what's the right. story with the book? So the, the book's a free download. It's pretty much, I wrote the book for myself. It's, a, it's, it's 104 pages, but the title is, how do we get better at the things we don't think we're bad at by 2020? And it's the name says it all. One of the things, if, if we search for something on Google and we type something out and 20 uh, things come up, when they come up, what we usually click on are the things that rationalize or are in line with what we already believe. Mm-hmm. So we're not learning anything. We're just It's the non-friction. Right. We're yeah. just confirming what we want mm-hmm. people to know. I'm I'm going 
I'm swimming against that stream mm -hmm. and that's what I'm pushing and I'm promoting. And uh, it's free. It's uh, that's interesting. That's a very martial arts based value. You like see that? That's, that's what it's all about. It's like one of the big ones is get comfortable being uncomfortable. So if, you, if you're in your comfort zone, your growth will probably be stunted where if you're like, okay, this is, this is going to be the harder path. This is going to be the path of more resistance. Oftentimes the value derived from that is much greater. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. and, and I, I, uh, you know, aside, and it's funny because my wife is, my wife is a listener and she, at times she wants to strangle me because she does not want any unwanted attention. And if right. anything, uh, you know what? Chances are Does she know who she married. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if 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 I can just get one person to read it and there's a shift. I'm definitely going to read it. There's a shift in them. That's because yeah. I read. I have it on loop. I use this app called Voice Dream that I can listen to. Uh, you can read PDF mm -hmm. and I loop it all the time. So before we end up today, tell us where you can get the book. You can if you go to stoopjuice.com, you can get I have. The two books, the first book is How to Get Better at the Things You Don't Think You're Bad at by 2020. And the other one is The Stories I Tell Myself. So pretty much, they're both pretty much the same book. They're just packaged differently, whichever title appeals mm -hmm. to you. Nice, good. Uh, That's and, great. Yeah. And you can just Smart. go to stoopjuice.com or you can Google uh, Stoop Juice book. Oh, but just go stoopjuice.com and it's on the first page. You and click. You, can, you can also come in to Stoop Juice. What's the address? Uh, we're at 443 7th Avenue. We don't, we don't talk politics. We don't do, I'm not having anybody sign anything in Stoop Juice or anything. <laughs> so we're at 443 7th Avenue. It's on 15th Street, 7th Avenue in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Um, I am a person that believes in universal love. I think that the best way to promote universal love is to show love to the people you least like. And if you can do mm. that, then you give yourself the Iron Man argument and and you f it forces you to check yourself a lot more. In instead of putting up the straw man argument because it's more... I, have, I try to avoid being a yes man, and I, that's how I try to lead my life, and, I'm, and I hope that I'm creating that type of energy in my shop, and I, I, I say to everybody, and I say this to all the people that come into my shop, I have love for all, but unfortunately, I don't have time for all. We're going to end with that because we out of time, too. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, have a great weekend. Thanks again. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, my guest, Jose Franco. You've been listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. We'll see you next Friday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. 
fundraising, board relations, social media. My guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 